Hey there, Mike Stelzner from the Social Media Marketing Podcast, and you're listening to Cliff Ravenscraft, the world's number one authority in the world of podcasting. He's the podcast answer man. Are you ready to take your message, your business, and your life to the next level? Want to learn from someone with more than a decade of experience, training tens of thousands of people from all around the world? Hi, Cliff. This is Pauline from Auckland, New Zealand. John from Calgary, Alberta. Amy Porterfield. Michael Hyatt. Dan here from Dunedin, New Zealand. Ray Edwards. Mark Mason. Mike Stelzner. Pat from Smart Passive Income. It's Darren from Melbourne, Australia. Whether you're looking to launch a podcast or build an online business that allows you to do the work you love, you've come, come to, to the right, right place. Podcast Answer Man presents The Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Now, here's your host, Cliff Ravenscraft. That's right, my friends, and welcome to episode number 513 of The Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Super excited to be here in Anaheim, California right now. In fact, I am recording this from my West Coast headquarters, <laughs> aka my hotel room here in Anaheim at the Hilton. I am having an amazing time at Podcast Movement 2017. I am getting ready to speak tomorrow morning at 9 a.m., helping people take their podcasting efforts to the next level. I had a friend of mine, his name is Phil Mershon. Now, he works over at Social Media Examiner with Michael Stelzner and He's really responsible for a majority of what goes awesome over at Social Media Marketing World. Phil is an incredible guy. He and I have been friends for years. And not too long ago, Phil actually got around to launching his own podcast called Man in the Pew. Now, Phil has wanted to have me as a guest on his show for quite some time, and I've always wanted to be a guest on his show. It's just a question of timing and scheduling. I haven't done a ton of interviews lately. But while we were here at the conference, I felt like, hey, let's make this happen. So I invited Phil to come up to my room, quiet atmosphere here. I would just break out my Roland recorder. I would record it on my recorder and just drop box it over to him. And so that's exactly what we did. Real quickly, for those of you who are interested in the technical stuff, this is just the Roland recorder. No microphones attached to it whatsoever. Just using the onboard built-in microphones of the recorder alone by itself, sitting on a table between the two of us, sitting at chairs, having a conversation for his podcast. Now, after we were finished, I decided, hey, I'm still looking for some content for my own show. I could record what I was planning to record, but it would take me another hour or so to record and then edit and publish and put all that stuff together. I really want to get back to the event, do some more networking, connecting, building relationships, just really touching people's lives here at this event and having my life touched by the conversations and interactions that I have with other people here. I am super blessed to be surrounded by so many content creators. I absolutely love coming out to Podcast Movement. So I asked Phil at the end of it, I said, hey, do you mind if I take this recording and also include it as an episode of my podcast? I'll be sure to promote your show as the result of it. And I would imagine that some people are going to resonate with the way that you have these conversations with folks. And so maybe it'll lead some people your way. And so what I'm getting ready to share with you is the conversation that I had with Phil Marchand for his podcast, Man in the Pew, over at maninthepew.com. Now, with that being said, I do want to set this up. I want to let you know, you guys pretty much, unless you're brand new to my show, most people know that I am a man of faith, but I don't go overboard in, in publicly stating all of that stuff for the record and, and quoting Bible verses and all those other things. That's just not who I am. That's not how I go about things. And for those of you who listen to this show on a regular basis, you know that. Now, with that being said, I want to let you know that Phil's podcast is a very faith-focused show. And so what you're about ready to hear is language and a conversation that is very faith-focused. It is very much front and center. The opening of our conversation is very much focused on faith journey and things of that nature. It does shift at the end to some very interesting things. And if you tune out at the beginning, you will miss out on some of the things that I shared in that conversation with Phil, where I talk about my vision of the future, at least the, the, the beginnings of something that I have as far as my vision for the future. So again, this is a totally different 
type of conversation, very heavily faith-focused conversation, but I just wanted to share this content with you, maybe promote my friend Phil Marchand, maninthepew.com, and also so I can get back to some more relationship building here at Podcast Movement 2017. And with that being said, here is the conversation I had with Phil Marchand on his podcast. I'm very excited to be here today with my friend Cliff Ravenscraft. We're recording in Anaheim, California, where we're both attending Podcast Movement, which is actually kind of pertinent, Cliff, because you are known as the Podcast Answer Man. Uh, For those of you who don't know Cliff, he has helped tens of thousands of people uh, get podcasts started. And so he indirectly has helped me over the years through his teaching and encouragement, and he was one of those guys that said, Phil, you need to do this. It took me two years, but thank you for encouraging me, and thanks for being on the show today. Phil, it is absolutely my honor. I have been blessed to call you a friend for many years now, and I can't tell you how excited I am to finally have the opportunity to record with you, to be on your show, and actually to be your first in-person guest on your podcast. That's awesome. Yeah, folks, tell me what you think about this, if you like the dynamic of us being live together versus the the normal way. It's not always possible, but it's pretty cool that we get to do it. Just for those of you who may remember, Cliff is the guy who inspired Mark Mason. I'm forgetting the episode number right now to start on his health journey. And it was two years ago, I think, at Social Media Marketing World that I'd seen that you were losing weight and looking a lot more healthy. And I asked you about it, and it started me on this journey of, you know, maybe I don't need to stay in this place of I'm always going to be like lacking energy and always kind of sluggish and feeling overweight. So I wanted to say thank you for uh, helping a lot of people, but specifically me with that. You're welcome. And it's my honor. It's my privilege to do the things God has called me to do, and, and I'm sure we're going to get into that today. We will. Yeah, so let's let's don't get ahead of ourselves. Baseball yeah. card stats. So tell us about your family, how long you've been married, your kids, where you live, and where you went to college. All right. So I live in Cincinnati area, actually northern Kentucky, but it's easier to just tell people I live in Cincinnati because I'm just across the river from there. Uh, I'm married to my wife, Stephanie. We have been married for 21 years, and I'm madly in love with her, more so today than the day I met her in the dating years, and I was madly in love with her then. So absolutely incredible marriage that I have with her. I am privileged to be the father of three amazing children. My daughter, McKenna, is 13 years old. My son, Matthew, is 15, and my daughter, Megan, is 17. And so they're just incredible. I, I will tell. I would love to tell you that I'm an, an incredibly awesome father, uh, but I will tell you that I'm blessed to be a better father today than I was several years ago. And that just has more to do with being intentional about being a father and being involved in their day to day life. Because, well, early on in the building of this business, I was a workaholic, and I felt like that's what I needed to do to be responsible and all that other stuff. But yeah, I'm a better father today than I ever have been in the past. And I'm thankful for God for helping me to turn that area of my life around. So that's cool. Um, What other stats did you want? Where'd you go to college? I went to NKU for, I think, two and a half years before I dropped out and decided I have no idea what I want to do. So why am I going to continue to take classes that mean nothing? to me. Uh, I ended up taking some distance learning. I became an online student of Nazarene Bible College when I was studying for ministry in the Nazarene Church. And that allowed me to get all, it progressed me very quickly through the track of getting my minister's license and and district minister's license in the Nazarene Church uh, because I wanted to become a pastor in the church. At least that's what I thought I wanted. I knew for a fact my overall passion and desire and calling in life was to full-time ministry. And you did that for a number of years. I was never full-time ministry. I oh, okay. was always I, I was an associate pastor for several years and I was always involved in ministry, f- working full-time hours but never as a paid staff person. Never once had I ever been okay. officially paid to do pastoring. I was I had the title, just did not have the pay. But uh, I had plenty of, I mean, I was an employee and uh, working different various jobs until I started working for my family. And they have a family-run insurance agency, my mom and dad. Uh, Family insurance agency has been in the family since 1937. 
And I was next in line to take it over. I worked with them in the insurance agency for 12 years before I ended up leaving that. And we'll get a little bit to that, but let's back up to your faith story. So okay. you felt a call. You wanted to be in ministry. You were even pursuing maybe being full-time in ministry. But when did that become real? Either when did you become a Christian or was there something that happened where your relationship with Christ went to a new level? Well, there's lots of those moments in my life. So when I grew up, I was one of those kids that wasn't really taken to church by their family. My mom and dad did not attend any congregational gatherings, uh, but there I lived in a neighborhood where there were all kinds of church vans and church buses that came and picked everybody up for a vacation Bible school and Sunday school. And so if you can imagine this, I, my background growing up was attending vacation Bible sc- schools every summer, multiple of them, and also multiple different Sunday school classes in different churches. So I had... Uh, Wesleyan, I I went to Methodist, uh, Pentecostal, uh, let's see here, Nazarene, it it was just, it was all over the map. And then, so I, oh, and by the way, I was, I'm not Catholic, and neither is anybody in my family, but I attended a Catholic school from second grade all the way through seventh grade, which means that I attended Mass every Friday, and I had religion class talk to me with the Catholic theology. So you talk about one messed up human being hearing all the different perspectives on God and every single one of them were absolutely certain that they were right and everybody else was wrong. So it's an eclectic background. And I always wrestled with this, you know, gosh, especially coming from the super heavy evangelical side of things, you know, how do I avoid going to hell? And, and scaring hell out of me, you know? <laughs> and, and so that that was always a question in my mind, and I would ask all these different people. And, and so I, I was told, if you just do this, you'll be saved. And so I, when did I become a Christian? I have no idea. Because uh, it was just, this is something I grew up in. And, and there, I guess you could maybe say it was the time when I went to Alabama with my aunt, and she took me to this really hardcore hellfire brimstone Baptist church they scared the heck out of me I couldn't sleep that night and I'm like listen we need to go to the pastor because I need to ask him how do I avoid going to hell and you all you do is you walk up the aisle and say I don't want to go to hell and boom you you got it and so I'm like praise God I'm saved so maybe that was when I became a Christian is when I said yes I'm a sinner and I love Jesus can I get up my get out of hell free card now and maybe that was it I then I would here's what I will tell you Phil I believe that I was a Christian was a Christian throughout all of that because I always had this desire to know God. I had this desire to be his, not just for avoiding punishment and all that other stuff. Although that there, trust me, that was a big heavy, you know, convincing thing for everybody back then in in my background. But then there I would say probably there was this time when I was 18 years old. I think I was 18. It was December 9th, 1991. This, so this day sticks in my head that I'll never forget, 1209-91, right? So December 9th, 1991, I was dating this girl, really, really digging her. And uh, she, we, she had brought me into this Nazarene church and this small group Bible study. This was incredible. First time I'd ever seen people who didn't just talk the talk and, and then their life looks like everybody else on the weekend or throughout the week, but it was like everybody seemed to be really living out authentically or at least trying to to live a life of, of genuine faith and relationship with God. And I was just so excited about this. And so I'm dating this girl who's attending this small group Bible study for young adults, and I'm, I'm totally into it. And she invites me to come meet her parents. And I went to go meet her parents, and her parents basically, after that dinner evening and all this stuff, they, they grilled me, hammered me with questions. So, Cliff, tell me, uh, when did you become a Christian? It's the same question you're asking. Right. And it's like, well, I went to church every Sunday morning, Sunday night. It's like, I had all these different things. And and afterwards, I got home, and, and uh, I, call, I had a call with her, and she says, I, I have to break up with you. My mom and dad told me I can't see you anymore. Hmm. And I said, why? She said, well, this is because you're not a Christian. And I'm like, oh, yeah? Okay. Uh, and, and that, I mean, I could care less about her. All of a sudden, I feel the first thing that came to my mind is, oh my gosh, I'm back in hell. Whoa. If I die tonight, I'm going to hell. I've been told all of my life that I've been saved 
you know, and I've, I, I feel like I've tried to do everything, but now these people who seemingly have authority in the church have told me that I'm not a Christian, which means that if I die tonight, I am eternally damned. And that struck to my core. You know, again, this is, I, I got some really weird baggage in the things that I've been taught. So um, I, I literally called this guy at like one o'clock in the morning who was teaching a small group Bible study. And I said, listen, I need to, I need to know, what do I need to do to fix this? I've been told that I'm not saved. What do I need to do to fix it now? We, this has to be solved tonight before I go to bed. I can't go to hell. That's that's just the biggest thing for me. Hmm. And so uh, he told he he reads me the you know the basically everybody knows the four spiritual laws of the Romans road and all you know all, so we go through all the scriptures. I've done this before, but I guess it didn't stick. You know, so right. it's it's time to do it again and and let's just officially get this on record. And so I guess you could say my on record the date I got maybe my certificate or my certification that I'm saved. Maybe that was December 9th, 1991, but knowing what I know now, I've been saved ever since I was a kid and, and God first reached out to me and, and stuff like that. So there's a whole lot more I could say, as you know, but I think I've said enough. Yeah, no, that's good. I appreciate you digging into that because I bet there are guys listening. You know, if you're a dad and teaching your kids, because I know I went forward many times as a kid because of those, those people who scare you that you're going to go to hell. And the fact that you really wanted that relationship with God was a sign that should have been fanned into flame. You yeah. Know? And as we as parents need to lead our kids and encourage them with that, certainly the reality of hell is there. Um, but I think a lot of times in the evangelical church, we do emphasize that and to the neglect of the beauty of the relationship and, and what it means that we can repent. You know, it's not just that we're going to be saved from hell, but we're saved from our sin the sin that's past, present, and future. And that's the beauty of the gospel that I need reminded of that every day. I'm not being resaved. I just need to be reminded that my sins have been cleansed, washed away. And that's beautiful, uh, great news. Yeah. So, well, I, let's, I want to pivot us here because if we want to talk today about something that you're going through right now that I think a lot of guys can relate to. And that is, you're known as, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you're known as one thing, which you know, I know is that you're known as the podcast guy, but in your heart, there's maybe something else that you'd like to be known for. And I think any of us listening um, you know, can relate. Like, you know, you're working a job, this is what's paying for the bills, but deep down inside, there's this desire to be something else, to be known for something else, but, you know, like... I don't know if this is your journey, but I fear if I try to become known for that other thing that's deep in me, I might fail. Um, and this is comfortable. You know, I'm known for this job. I'm known for these few things, but there's something else I really want to do. Is, is that fear of the journey that you're in right now? And Yeah, it, it, and it's been a lifelong journey. Uh, so here's the thing. I told you that my family has an insurance agency. So my my greatest goal it had been I, I want to be full time ministry, okay. and at the time my only understanding of that was that I'm the head pastor of a church. You know, one day That's that, that was like, that sure. was my only experience of what people called full time ministry. Okay. So my mom and dad invited me. I think it was 1996 or something like that to come work for them in the insurance agency. And I said, okay. "Listen, I have zero desire to be an insurance agent." But I'm a huge technology guy. I'm a total geek, early adopter, and was already well into computers, like very deep. So from the time I was eight years old, actually, my first Commodore VIC-20, and I took it apart and <laughs> learned how to, I taught myself how to program basic. So I'm a total geek when it comes to that stuff. So my mom and dad said, listen, we had to buy all this computer stuff and this software called agency management system. We have no idea. There's this thing called networking. We have no idea how to hook these computers up to each other. We want to hire you to come in and be our computer guy. Okay. And it's and I'm like, oh, okay. And so that sounds interesting. I can do that. That's right. that's interesting. So I leave this other job where I was a customer service agent, and you know, this is what I'm going to do for them. Well, it took three weeks to get everything up and running and training everybody. And now, uh, what do I do? I'm sitting here 40 hours a week. This thing's operating itself. Uh, it doesn't break down. What do I do? So I became a file clerk. Okay, file clerk is not what I wanted to do with my life. And right. it does not, it, my great passion is to, 
to play around and tinker with technology and learn new things and what you can do with it and all this other stuff. And, and here I am paper filing and getting paper cuts and all day long. It's crazy. And that, but then the thing is, is now I'm also, now that I, I, I didn't know anything about insurance, but I knew the software that would run quotes. And so I created these, a, a spreadsheet where you, I would print it out and you would have a stack of these forms that would take people's information. And all I would do is take their information, their names, address, social security number, ages, date of births, and what kind of cars and what kind of coverages and all this other stuff. So I didn't have to know what it all was, but I, I knew what I needed the computer to have to put all their information in. And then this software would spit out quotes with okay. different options. Okay. okay. So here's the thing. My dad takes this phone call. He fills out the form that I gave him to complete. He hands it to me. I'm data entering all the stuff in there, and I'm generating quotes for people for their insurance. And I hand it to him. He makes a phone call, gives them the rate. They come in, fill out the application that the computer printed because I had already put all the information in, and he's making all the money. And he says, hey, how would you, you know you're doing all the work, right? All I'm doing is picking up the phone, taking the information, and then having them sign the form when they come in. And I'm making all the money. What if? What do you think about going and getting your license to sell property and casualty insurance? It's a 40-hour class. You study for three weeks. You pass the test, and you're an agent. And I'm like, and, and he says, here's the deal. You do this. I'll give you X number of dollars for every policy you sell, plus your salary. And I'm like, and I would, and let's just put it this way. I was selling a lot of. I would have been selling a lot of policies, and my dad couldn't handle all of the quotes that were coming in. So. There was this incentive. So I went and I got my property and casualty, which means I could sell auto, home, and business insurance. And then um, time went on, and I'm actually doing these quotes, same thing for life insurance. And I was doing that, but I'm not licensed for life insurance, so I couldn't do the application. I couldn't tell the people the quote over the phone. So I gave those to him. He goes, now, do you know how much commission I make on this? And he only sold term life insurance. He didn't sell the permanent. He says it's it's anywhere between eighty-five to one hundred and five percent commission of the first year's premium, and then after that you don't get anything for term. It's a whole different story for the other ones. He goes, but you realize this person just paid three hundred and fifty dollars for their first year in premium. That's three hundred and fifty dollars for that sale that you would get right away if you had your life insurance license. But you don't get your life insurance license; you get your life and health. And so he says, go to class. You, it's a 40-hour class. You study for three weeks. You pass the test. and you got. So I did that. So now I'm an auto home business life and health insurance agent. And time goes on, and it gets to the place where I'm making tons of money. 12 years later, I, my wife and I are completely financially debt-free except for our mortgage. Uh, we're, we've got all kinds of financial margin and all this stuff, but... Uh, I decided this isn't really my true calling. You know, I'm sure I'm helping, I'm serving people, and I feel good about the fact that, you know, people who might lose their home, I'm protecting them financially. Families where the spouse dies, the the family's left over because they bought life insurance from me. There's that, there's the servants of that, service of that. But it just wasn't what I thought it would be. At least every, I thought that I loved that job until I discovered podcasting. So the thing is, is this wasn't my passion. This was just where money came in. It was the responsible thing to do in life is to provide for your family, right? Right. And at this point, I'm like thinking, if I came, if somebody came to me and offered me a position as a full-time pastor of a congregational gathering, what's the most they could pay me? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of that, and there's no way they could touch what, what my what I was making as an insurance agent. It's just that that pastors don't get paid that unless it's a huge mega church, right? And that's not going to be my first position, probably. So, uh, you know, so I'm in this path, and now it's just like my mind is that I'm I'm just going to own the insurance agency, and I'm going to be a multimillionaire, but I'm not really all that passionate about the work that I do. So. <laughs> Because I'm not super passionate about my work, I'm looking for hobbies. I'm looking to find fulfillment and joy in life through hobbies. And I discover, and I'd always been doing technology stuff. I'd been blogging since 1996. But in December of 2005, I decided to start my own audio podcast. Mm -hmm. And it was a, I was going to do a weekly podcast with my wife where she and I would watch this TV show, Lost, 
and we would go and research all the hidden clues and mysteries of this show, and we would we'd do a weekly podcast devoted to that and help raise people's enjoyment of the show. We would make them kings of the water cooler. Total hobby stuff, secular TV show, just n- no Christian value seemingly at all, right? Except for the fact that this television show had episodes called uh, Tabula Rasa, which is means starting over with mm-hmm. a clean slate. There was an episode called the 23rd Psalm. They had this character on the show who was... I'll, I'll just say this because I don't want to give any spoilers. He was a priest... And in the episode, he quotes the 23rd Psalm on the secular TV show, but he reverses two lines. And so in that episode, I was like, oh, that's not what the 23rd Psalm says. And if you actually, if you reverse those two lines, this is how that's interpreted. But, it, but the way it is, it's this way. And so all of a sudden, people are emailing me. And, and by the way, this podcast, because of, this doesn't happen for most people, but by our third episode, we had 17,000 subscribers around the world. We eventually grew that to 65,000 subscribers of this weekly podcast devoted to this TV show. All of a sudden, this guy in northern Kentucky sitting in his basement with his wife talking about a TV show has a worldwide audience in the tens of thousands of people. And you talked about wanting to go into full-time ministry. You could never become a senior pastor of a megachurch. And all of a sudden, you've got this huge audience that's bigger than any megachurch pastor outside of Korea. So, in the in the, what happened was we're to, we're talking about all, all good cowboys have daddy issues is another episode title. So we're talking about all these different real life things, and we're not. I'm not bringing the Bible and saying let's interpret lost from a scriptural standpoint at all. But I, I mean, obviously, I have this ministry background, which brings a unique perspective to this TV show. Mm-hmm. And so people would send me an email, and they say, uh, I got this one email from somebody. That says, "Listen, hey Cliff, Stephanie, you know, I've been listening to your show for a while. I absolutely love the conversations you have that where you share your stories in your life as it relates to the stuff that's being on the show." I hope this isn't offensive to you, but I get the feeling that you and your wife are Christians. Is I, it, please, I, if, if that offends you, don't worry. Don't you don't even need to respond. You can delete this. But if if you are, could you let me know? I, I'd lo- I'd love to know. And I wrote back, and I would I would reply to the email and say, Yeah, I, we're Christians. And then this person would respond. This person responded with like a, what would be an eight or ten page letter if you were to write it out. And he pours his heart out. Wow. Asking me for my advice, my thoughts, and and asking me if I would pray for the situation that he's facing. And Phil, at this point, I had been involved in associate pastor work for years, which I call babysitting. Right. <laughs> you know, and and the reality is, is the relationships I had in all the official ministry positions, they I compared to what I was experiencing in these email exchanges and then actual conversations over Skype and everything else, I, I looked back and I saw this as being authentic, to, closer to what I read in the book of Acts, and everything else seemed so superficial. And it, it, it was like the first time I really felt like I was authentically doing ministry. And so this goes on, and we, we got people were asking us questions, the same questions over and over and over again. And the thing is, is we couldn't address those kind of questions in this lost podcast. We lose the people who aren't interested in the faith side of things. So we started another podcast. Of course. And and then we started another podcast and another podcast. And so we had all of these different podcasts where we would just answer people's questions, the most commonly asked things. And then when those emails came in, I would say, hey, listen to this. And if you have any questions, then let me know. And that's how I started. And all of a sudden, I'm spending all day and all night and all weekend doing ministry. And before long, my day job as an insurance agent became a distraction to what I felt like I was really put on this earth to do, which is serve people. And so it took me about a year before I allowed myself to verbalize just to myself the question, I wonder what life would be like if I did this podcasting stuff for a living. Hmm. And then and then I, as soon as I said, it's like, whoa, that, that's irresponsible you know that you know, nobody leaves the job security that you have the money that you have you've got a stay-at-home mom you've got three young kids that's not the responsible thing to do but that question wouldn't go away and so one of my podcasts which was like an audio journal that I would share with people as I'm building through all this stuff 
I went to them and I, 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 I literally said it out loud. And I said, guys, I, this question, I can't get it out of my head, but my thinking is, what if I didn't do insurance for the rest of my life? What if I didn't take over the insurance agency? What if I just waited until my dad retired and let him sell the business and then I'm off the hook and I could pursue this this stuff, this this content creation that I'm doing, finding a way to make that my full-time career. I have no idea if that's possible. I mean, podcasting is new. Who knows what's going to happen? I, but man, I can't shake that dream. I can't shake that question. And at this point, are you making any money at all from what you're doing? Yeah. So we were making some money from sponsorships. We okay. People were sending us donations uh, without, without us even ask asking. Him. Wow. They were just like sending us money in the mail. Uh, there were people who were saying, Cliff, can you teach me how to podcast? And I would get on there and I wasn't charging anybody anything. It's like, this this is fun, right? And people said, Cliff, you should charge for this. And I'm like, nobody would pay me to teach them how to podcast. And I'm like, yeah, they would. I would pay you. Charge me. Send me an invoice. And I'm like, well, how much? Literally? You? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And so I, I did. And then people would ask me, can you teach me how to podcast? And I would say, yeah, and here's how much it is. And people wouldn't balk at it. And I'm like, wow. And so I finally, after it was 18 months into this journey of podcasting as a hobby and teaching people how to podcast, making some money, I was making, after 18 months, I was making somewhere between $2,000 to $4,000 a month from this podcasting stuff. Through what you charge and what people were just, just sending you randomly yeah. and whatever, and sponsors. Okay. And so the question is, if I didn't have the 40 hours a week at the insurance office and I could increase what I'm doing here... Could I ramp it up and replace my income as an insurance, uh, you know, that I was making as an insurance agent? Right. And and what happened is I, again, I'm sharing all this stuff authentically with some of my audience. And there are people in my audience who are entrepreneurs and they've all, they've never been an employee in their life. And they're like, yes, you can. You can do this. We've been listening to you. I, you've got this. I had people volunteering. Cliff, let's get on the phone. Let me talk to you. I can... Just give me 30 minutes and I'll give you seven different ways you can make an income from the stuff that you're doing. And I would get on these calls and I would go home and I would tell my wife. Now, here's the thing. All these people believed in me. They saw the thing, but I I could not see it. I, I had no faith that that was really possible. I couldn't shake the dream of it, but I didn't believe that it would happen. But everybody else did. And my wife, I would go home and tell her what they're saying. And she was believing it, but I wasn't. And so I continued to go on. And the more, the more I move further into this journey, the more I'm really living out my purpose in this world through podcasting, the more I'm growing to despise and hate my job and to see it as a soul-sucking career. Hmm. And it, it, it was destroying me like mentally, emotionally. I hated it. And before podcasting, I thought it was the greatest thing. It was, the, it's, it was all I knew. So... Um, I had this one really terrible day after a string of a lot of terrible days over the course of a couple months at the insurance office. And I came home one day. It was September of 2007. And finally, my wife says, listen, you're going in tomorrow and you're telling your dad that you're leaving. You're going to put in a 90-day notice. And January 1st, you're going to work for yourself. We both know that this is what God wants you to do. And my wife's a stay-at-home mom. She goes, listen, if we have to sell the house and go rent somewhere... We will sell the house. If I have to go out and get a job for a while, I'll go out and get a job. We both know this is what God wants us to do next. And she saw in you, this is your passion. You're alive and you're doing that. And based on what you said, like at the start of this interview, you said that what you love is technology, figuring things out, and you love to serve people. And you really weren't tapping into a whole lot of that in your insurance work. It just was paying the bills, and that looked like a good way to take care of your family. But all of a sudden, you've got this thing that's come alive that you didn't even know is possible. Yep. So she's encouraging you. All these others are encouraging you. What caused you to take the step? So it was just the fact that if she believed... The thing is, it was, it was Stephanie that believed in me that pushed me over the edge. It's great that my pastor thinks it's possible. It's great that all these entrepreneurs who aren't going to be responsible for paying the bills, it's great that they believe it. But I was never going to ask my step, my wife Stephanie, to step out and to to, to yeah. put her faith in me. But when she's the one who prompted it and said, she, and she literally said, "My," she goes, "Our kids need their dad back, and I need my husband back." 
So you were actually sacrificing yourself because you're working basically like a full-time job wor- on the podcast and a full-time job. I was job. working a full-time and a half job on the podcast stuff so because it wasn't wow. just creating content, but it, it, it was preparing for and creating content. And by this time, I had like five different shows. So I was preparing for creating content, publishing that content, all that stuff. But then audience filled tens of thousands of people. I respond to every single email. I'm literally spending countless hours every week ministering to people. Yeah. You know, serving people, helping people, improving their lives, encouraging them, inspiring them, motivating them. But all the while, not being the husband and father I needed to be. So that's what happened there. So for guys who are listening right now, um, I think there's probably a number of guys listening who have this thing that's deep inside of them that they've maybe pricked, that they've thought, man, if only I could do that and make money at it, I would leave this job in a heartbeat. But I don't want to leave the security of what this job represents because I'm a dad or I'm a husband and I need to be the provider and the family is not going to understand. This is non-traditional. And it may not be something as new as podcasting was at that point where it's unproven. It may just be, I would rather be an artist. I would rather be a pastor. I would rather be, you name it. What's your counsel to someone who's sitting in that spot and they've had something awakened and... Maybe their wife isn't even on board yet. Yeah. But they've got this gut feeling, I need to make a change. Well, one quote that I learned somewhere into the process is from Jim Rohn. He says, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Right. And what I would recommend is that you begin to change the people you spend the most time with. So find other people, whatever your dream is, whatever your goal, whatever that passion, that calling in your life Find other people who are already experiencing that lifestyle, people who are already thriving, doing what it is that you want to do, and begin to surround yourself at first with just listening to them, uh, reading their books, going to their conferences and stuff like that. And if your spouse isn't on board or even if she is on board, I encourage you to take her with you if she's willing to or take him with you if he's willing to go. Whoever's out there is just you know, involve them in the conversation. Don't scare them and and say, hey, I'm quitting my job tomorrow. Uh, Make sure that you have an economic model before you go and and step out. You probably want to build an audience over time. It might be a little bit of an extra sacrifice and something you build on the side for a while. But my, my biggest piece of advice is to find other people who are already doing what you want to do and achieving great success at it and learn from them as much as you can and and I would say I wouldn't necessarily say go do everything they're doing but ask them ask the questions of why are they doing what they're doing and then ask is this something I want to do but begin to allow your Phil I believe one of the greatest problems that we have is that for some reason as a kid we were allowed to dream about anything we wanted to dream about the future mm-hmm. you know it's like I want to be an astronaut I want to be a firefighter I want to be a pro wrestler I want to be a ballerina or whatever the case may be but somewhere I think in the process I think it's right through the filtering system of our education system and right in high school it's become it becomes okay what responsible career do you want you know, and 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 you, what you you need to go to college now to get a degree, and now to go to college you need to decide which of these occupational uh, pursuits do you want to major in, and and it's like okay, they're you're forced as a teenager or in your early twenties to decide what you want to do with your rest of your life, and honestly, people haven't even had enough life experience and exposed to enough things to even know what's possible out there, and so what happens is they pursue these things and the the worst travesty I see today is the amount of years of people's lives that are invested going towards a career path, investing in study, resources, money, student loan debt, and all this other stuff to pursue something that they thought, well, this is, I guess, maybe the best out of all the options that have been presented to me. They spend eight, ten years of their life, and now they're this profession and they've given up on those dreams. They've given up on on the idea of doing anything else. And it's been told, taught to them that anything else is irresponsible. 
I've started recently listening to a show called Don't Keep Your Day Job. I don't know if you've heard of it. I haven't. Kathy Heller, she's a singer-songwriter who makes her money selling songs to TV shows, radio shows, and commercials. And they license her songs. She makes serious money doing this. And now she's teaching people how to follow that passion because early on she just thought, I have to be a performer who plays in clubs, who cuts a normal deal. And then she discovers this along the way and says, I'm made for this. I love it. And there's really good money to be made. And now she's teaching people to follow those creative passions. And, you know, and if that's really what you want to do, she gives you coaching on how to do it. And I think it's amazing that we live in a day where it really is possible to make a living doing what you love. It is, absolutely. And, and whatever, it may not be exact. Like for me, at, in the beginning, I thought when I left my career insurance, my, my original idea is I would love to be able, I know that I'm going to, right now what bring in, what's bringing in the majority of the income while I was doing it as a hobby before it was my full-time career was the being paid to teach people how to podcast. But I was also getting some contributions and donations, and I was also making some money from advertising and sponsorship. And my original idea when I left my career in insurance is I'd love to just do the coaching and consulting stuff until I could get to the place where the audience on the other side is growing so large that basically I get paid to sit behind a microphone to create content that entertains, educates, encourages, and inspires people. That's what my true passion is. Okay, well, what ha- and I got to the place where my business was generating some very significant income, but the amount of income that I was making on that side of things was nothing compared to what I was making on the coaching and consulting side. And, and so, it, obviously, it's like there's this low-hanging fruit. And the great thing about the podcast co- coaching and consulting thing is it wasn't actually keeping me from doing my calling like insurance was. Right. See, the, at least with podcasting, here's what I loved about podcasting. I'm teaching people how to create a podcast. And through that process, I'm asking people to tell me, why do you want a podcast? What's your passion? Mm-hmm. What, what are your gifts and talents? What are the things that you, you would talk about all day long, every day, if, if money were no object? You know, that kind of thing. Let's, let's create a show that allows you to express more of who you are and who you were created to be. And so there's a lot of people over the years, I've helped tens of thousands of people over the years launch these podcasts. And the number of people who did, I mean, there were some people who already had their own business and it was to promote their business that they already have. That's all great. But some of my favorite stories are people who had these occupations. They, like me, they thought that, that, that life was good and that everything was fine. And they start these passion projects as a podcaster. And then within 12 months, 18 months, they're saying, wow, I wonder if I could do this full time. And today there are people that are no longer living the lifestyle of an employee who they were never created to be. And they've been awakened. Now, I'm not saying that everybody is is cre- created to be a self-employed person. But I feel right now in this season of my life, what I'm drawn to or what pe- what most people, my, the biggest audience that I attract are people who God has never created for them to be to live the lifelong process of being an employee, but these people who are stuck in that path and to awaken the entrepreneurial spirit within them. And I want to get to that in just a minute because I know you've started a whole video series just to speak to that audience and encourage them. But one thing I'd love for you to kind of reflect on through this process is how is God speaking to you through all this? You know, as you and your he sends Stephanie, me emails every morning. <laughs> through the Bible. Now, you and your wife, I'm sure we're praying. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're wrestling. You're looking for, you know, if you're like me, you're saying, God, is this something you want me to do? Is this your will or is this just me um, wanting to fulfill some desire that I've got? And if it's so, you know, maybe shut it down if that's not what you want me to do. But how was your dialogue with God through this? So the, the thing that sticks out to me is plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Sure. And so throughout all of this process, even when I was doing this as a hobby, I just constantly surrounded myself with people that I trusted, mm. uh, that had my best interest at heart, people that, that I think would speak wisdom to me and who would not just tell me what I want to hear and be my cheerleader, although I wanted cheerleaders, trust me, uh, but I wanted people who would be honest with me. And so I've always surrounded myself with a, a large number of advisors. I think that's wise. 
obviously that's what the Proverbs are saying is many counselors. So you've talked about counselors in two ways. One is people that you can just talk to about what's going on in my, in my amiss, but then who can I learn from? Who are those aspirational counselors, whether you're meeting with them in person or just the people that you're studying and how are they successful? And I think both of those are people that we need to be watching because if we just make this up and try to go off and be like Shark Tank, one of these companies, or someone who's ultra successful will probably fail. Yeah. Um, so that's that's really wise. Thank you. And that's that's been a huge key to my success. I have I have many different layers of, of people that I t- reach out to. I have my peers. You know, these are people who are doing something similar. We, we're acquaintances, some of them. Some of them are closer friends. Maybe we see each other once a year, twice a year at these events and stuff like that. But we're, we're connected on social media. And then I have my close personal friends that, that I'm really close to. I can text anytime I want, pick up the phone, talk to them anytime I want. Then I have my mastermind group which I meet with every single week. And it's, it's literally the five people in that group are incredible. I, I could name drop some people, but I'm not. But it is incredible. <laughs> it, they're the most incredible five men that I am blessed to do life with. And I can tell you, my income is the average of those five. Hmm. My, my joy in life is the average of those five. I intentionally do life with those people the most because those are the if if you tell if you ask me what do I want my life to look like I want my life to be the average of those five people and so that's who I surround myself with on a weekly basis every single week we get together I would love to know uh, we had Aaron Walker on a few episodes ago talking about masterminds and forming them but how long did it take from you know, you're in the journey of saying, I want to make a move. You need to surround yourself with wisdom. You probably knew I need these kind of five guys. How long did it take? Or where did that happen in the process of you so, leaving insurance? So when I left insurance, I did not know about the mastermind principle at all. Okay. But I actually started, when I left insurance, before, like, I think it was the week after I put my 90-day notice in. So I've got like this ramp of uh, you know, 80 some odd days before I start my own business. So I literally built a list of 12 guys who became my business advisors. Okay. And this was my pastor of my church who, who was trying to convince me to go out. Uh, it was a CEO of a company who was a friend of mine. There was this one guy who had his master's degree in business. There were some other people who weren't necessarily business people, but they were they had succeeded in life in other areas that I admired. And so I individually went to all of those people and say, I want to know if you would be available to be my business advisor. And all that means is that anytime I'm facing a decision or I'm running into a, a mindset thing, I'm really struggling, I just need somebody to turn to and ask your advice, That's, you know, whatever. And so I started with that immediately. These people were not connected to each other. That was all one-way relationships. However, I did put them in an email group. And I asked their permission and say, listen, when I send out a request for advice or tell you what's going on and I want some feedback, it's gonna, that email will go to everyone. And if you reply, your reply goes to everyone. So everybody sees the advice that I'm getting. And so that was, that was not a mastermind group. What, that's, every, everybody there was there for the purpose of helping me. Okay, And that is not a mastermind group. Right. Now, in October 2010... I did a consulting call with Pat Flynn. He was wanting to launch a podcast and was had wanted to do it for years but was struggling. We had some one-on-one sessions together. He hired me to consult with him. He and I really connected like on a really deep level. And we started having some more conversations. I said, hey, Pat, I've been reading about this mastermind stuff. My friend Dan Miller, uh, it says we, you know everybody should have one of these. Would you like to do a mastermind group together? And so it was October 2010. I started my business in January 2008. So it was October 2010. Wow, almost that, three years later. Yeah. So that's when I started the mastermind group that I'm in today. Yeah, that's awesome. And we could go more into that, but we're coming oh, to a point I just, where... I, just, I do want to say one thing since we've laid it out on the table. The difference between that first group and a mastermind group is that everybody in a mastermind group is there for the benefit of every other member in that group. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. And I've seen some of what you guys do for each other, which is pretty amazing um you recently started getting onto video i know we could go into the whole journey of how you went from podcasting to video and some of the struggles there but your video channel is fully there to encourage people in this journey and to show them what it's like 
to yeah. be an entrepreneur, but maybe talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so I've been a content creator. I, I would call myself a content creator, and I've been that all the way back before 1996 when bulletin board systems, BBSs, mm-hmm. I was into AOL chat rooms. So I've always been a content creator, motivating, encouraging, and inspiring people. So that's always been a part of what I've done. The interesting thing is I opened up my YouTube channel March 2006. And as of today, there are over 800 videos on my YouTube channel. But I've never taken my YouTube... I've always played around with the idea that I want to do vlogging. This idea... But I've never been satisfied with the equipment and the quality of, of what I was able to produce with the gear that I had. And so I, wanted, I knew that one day video would be very important to me. But I was going to wait until it, it was going to be at the level that I wanted to produce video. So I focused on audio because audio production is very easy as far as getting quality content to put out to the world. But the, so all of those, all of the content that's on my YouTube channel up to this point, prior to January of last year, it was all to support and to provide additional ancillary content for my podcasting audience because I've always seen myself as a podcaster first and foremost. Okay, but. What I, the next stage in my, or the next season of my life, I, I'm not looking to abandon who I am, my identity as the podcast answer man. I believe that brand is one of God's greatest gifts to me. You know, that it, it has served me extremely well. But I don't want to be, I'm sorry, I don't want to be limited to just being seen as the podcast guy, the guy who can help you launch a podcast. I think that's an incredibly strong thing. It's how a lot of people find me and discover me because they're, they're, they don't wake up one morning and say, wow, I wonder if I could find a guy named Cliff Ravenscraft who would motivate and inspire me to be more of who God created me to be. But there are people waking up saying, oh my gosh, I think I would like to learn how to podcast. I wonder where, where, I, would le- where I could learn that. And then because of my brand, people are you know, led to me uh, because of how many people I've helped, and if you if, if you go anywhere in the world and say and say to a group of people, if you were to any person on this earth, if you went to 100 people and say, "I want to learn how to podcast. How can I get started?" I would say that if you asked 100 people, you're eventually going to get at least one third of those people to tell you, "Go to Cliff Ravenscraft, the podcast answer man," which is incredibly awesome. But I want to get to the place where. Somebody says, you know what, I'm really struggling in life. I, I hate my job. I, I've lost all passion. I, it, this, it's like, what is life all about? And I make all this money and I'm not fulfilled. You know, it's like, man, you know what, you need to go, you need to, go to Cliff's conference that's coming up in Dallas, Texas. You know, he, he has this convention hall. There are 15,000 people show up. And Cliff, I guarantee you go there, Cliff is going to motivate you, encourage you. He's going to help break you free from so many limiting beliefs, especially for those of you who grew up in the Christian church who have been taught all this performance base and you've been taught that it's guilty to pursue your dreams and to pursue your heart. You know, the desires of your heart are wicked and evil. We're gonna, he's going to help you break free from all of that programming and, and, and his goal and his desire is to help you become who God created you to be. And that's, that's where I want to be. And that's what this new platform is allowing me to do. And what's the new platform called? It, it's, uh, it's my YouTube channel. Okay. And it's uh, youtube.com slash Cliff Ravenscraft. I love that vision. And that does sound like what you've been doing, maybe by accident and maybe on purpose. So what you've been discovering is by expressing yourself I'm trying to repeat what I hear you saying but by expressing yourself you've learned over time what you love to do is set people free yes to remove the shackles if you will from their minds and hearts to pursue what they really would love to do with their lives and it resonates with the quote that I've been ruminating on over the last couple of weeks I think it's Muriel Wilson but she talks about this idea that we all have the glory of God in us but so many of us keep it hidden in clouds and darkness and the world needs that light to come out. And what I hear you saying is you want to draw that light out of people by helping them find platforms, but not just through podcasting, through whatever means. Is that a fair absolutely. summary of what you're saying? So, yeah, absolutely. And, and for me, one of the obvious things is that I, I help people launch a podcast. And so you got these people who are creating a podcast 
and it, and it helps await it. Basically, they're starting to pursue something that they love. Yes. And they're starting to dream again. Yes. And, and that's that, I, do you see this? Tell people what I've got here. Oh, you've got goosebumps. I've, I do too. I have goosebumps when I talk I've about the tears in my eyes. I, it, for me, it's not teaching them what cables they need to hook up to their mixer to get the right audio levels. I know all of that. I've been very blessed, and I can teach that in a way that many people have a difficult time explaining to the less technical people. So, But I can do that, and I love that, and I thank God for that gift every single day. But why I teach people how to podcast, because I, I don't teach people how to podcast, I teach people how to dream again. And that, that because I believe God's called it, God created us in his image, and God is a creator. You know, and, and I believe we were all created to be creators. And that's what I want to do. I want, I want to open up people's creativity to create and put a message out into the world. I believe every single human being on this earth has experiences, has gifts, has talents, has passions. And inside of that, every single person has value. And yeah. all they need to do is put their message out into the world. And once they put their message out into the world, sometimes it just takes one person listening to that podcast that will send them an email and say, wow, I really needed to hear that today. And then all of a sudden that begins to build a little, that's a little seed that starts growing and it's planted deep inside of them that says, wow, this, I, I may have just tapped into my purpose. I may have just tapped into something that is going to grow and, and it's going to bring in this holy discomfort with the, the norm that I've been living and, and it's going to set them down a path. And so I, I love what I've been doing. And there was a time, Phil, when I thought that I needed to break free from the, the, the chains of the brand podcast Answer Man. Okay. I felt like it might be holding me back. But, and so I was going through an identity crisis. Hmm. But I've discovered that, no, God says, listen, dude, podcast Answer Man is one of the greatest gifts I've given you. Don't throw that away. It's how a lot of people moving forward are still going to find you. That's how you got your start. Don't throw that away. Th understand how what you've been doing in helping people launch a podcast isn't just making money and it's not just helping people hook up cables and RSS feeds. See how I've allowed you all this time be involved in full-time ministry and make an amazing profitable career out of it. And I'm like, wow. Thank you, God. And so what happens is now I'm going to continue that. I'm going to continue to grow that. But if you watch my YouTube channel, you'll notice I very rarely talk about podcasting at all on my YouTube channel. And the reason why is because the next, the next season, I don't, there are people who are on YouTube, millions of people are on, the, on YouTube, who will never listen to an audio podcast. And it's not essential that people create a podcast. What's essential is people start dreaming. Amen. What's essential is people start pursuing what is it that God has designed me to do or what is it that I want to do in life? You know, what, what do you want to, what do I want to be when I grow up? You know, and it's okay to be 50 or 60 years old and ask yourself that question. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm tr trying to do. That's what YouTube is all about. That's what I'm doing with that audience. And my favorite thing that's just happened, I'm going to walk over here a second. Sure. I, so I created this YouTube channel. Uh, well, it's, it's been around for a long time, but I've been really focusing on it. I'm actually, if I, I call myself, I am a podcaster and YouTuber now. I'm a okay. YouTuber. Okay. And so I've been creating this vlog content for, you know, almost on a daily basis for the last month and a half. And it is a, reaching a much younger audience. In fact, my kids, I have two kids in high school. All of their friends are fans of my YouTube channel. Wow. And my kids were a little weirded out about it at sure. first. But now all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's pretty cool. And my daughter's like, hey, Dad, can I be on your vlog? <laughs> that was kind of, that was cool. So my daughter, uh, she's 17. She'll be 18 in November. But she works at Chipotle in our hometown. And she has, they have these, there's the manager of the over, overall store. But then they have these MODs or managers on duty sure. for, for shifts. And uh, there are two different managers that she has that are huge fans of my YouTube channel. <laughs> who are watching me talk about my lifestyle, behind-the-scenes look of what my life looks like as a self-employed person, the freedoms that I have, but also the responsibilities and everything else that go along with it as well. And I got this email, and uh, I need to go to start, and I want to read this to you. Actually, do you, know my, do you mind, Phil, will you read this email I'll that came in? You. Hi, this is Malcolm, Megan's manager. 
I was talking to Ellie about wanting to vlog and make videos on my travels and my experiences and somehow make money while doing it. He turned my attention towards you and told me what you do, and I found it interesting and wanted to know how you do it. Like if there are steps and things I need before getting started, thank you for your time. I hope to hear from you soon. This is a guy who's in his mid-20s. And by the way, that's he says, I was talking with Eli, um, and Eli is another, Sorry. that's okay, Eli is another manager who's in his mid-20s. Be, both of these guys are are working up the corporate chain of Chipotle. You see what I'm saying? They're they're living the life of the employee. But did you hear? Wait, I I have this desire to share my passion for travel and stuff like that. This is a guy who right now, if 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 he, nobody if nobody awakens the dream inside of him, he's going to pursue the life of an employee and become a manager and and stuff like that. And and that that's what a lot of people will do. But what if his passion, what if his message is to live an adventure around the world? And who knows, maybe one day he begins to create, I'm not saying this is what he'll do, but what if he begins to do this world travel, becomes a a content creator himself, grows an audience of 5 million people, and as a result of that, he gets all this sponsorship money, all these people want to pay him to kind of just represent their brands and stuff like that, becomes this multi-millionaire, and then all of a sudden he does things like Casey Neistat does, where he gets this corporate sponsorship and takes $150,000 and goes uh, help uh, provide relief to Haiti and stuff like that. Those kind of things. And so I think it's so exciting. These mid-20-year-old guys are never going to listen to my audio podcast. If they were, they would have been a fan of my audio podcast years ago. But they're on YouTube all day, every day, and they've become a fan of mine. And that's what I love. I'm reaching an entirely different audience. But the thing is, is I'm still doing that also in my audio audience. So now what I'm doing is I'm actually... There's the, the people who listen to audio podcasts as an audience and the people who, who watch video and YouTube as an audience. There, it, there's about a 20% overlap between sure. those, but eight, the 80% who are listening to my podcast will never watch my YouTube channel and subscribe to it and vice versa. Well, I love it because the theme of what he said is just like what people were saying to you in 2007 when you were wrestling, should I start this business? Hey, Cliff, will you help me start a podcast now? He's saying, will you help me express my dream through video, which is what you're great at. You love technology. You love helping people get over that, but for this bigger purpose. And I, I guys, I hope you listen to the end of this. And I'm going to have to encourage everyone at the beginning to make it this far because this has been the gold. This is Every one of us has a dream inside of us. Most of us have been told to stop dreaming because you can't make money with that dream or that's a nice hobby. Just don't spend a whole lot of time on it because it's going to be a distraction. You got to go be responsible. Like you said, that happens in high school and college, but even in grade school, we stop being creative. You know, you take a a first grader and a sixth grader, a first grader, every one of them will say I'm an artist. And by the time you get to sixth grade, most of them don't think they're an artist, don't think they can do anything creative like that. And not that much has changed except for conditioning. Exactly, conditioning. Yeah, so I love that you are trying to set people's dreams free. Madeline Lingle, I don't know if you've read much of her work, she said, I think she's the one, it may have been Francis Schaeffer, but we've been created in the image of God, a creator, and because we are like our creator, our imagination should soar. That's exactly what I want to do. I want to free people to imagine what what would life look like if I followed my dreams. That is such a perfect place to end, Cliff. Well, there you go, my friends. That was the conversation that I had with Phil Mershon for his podcast, Man in the Pew. Now, it may be a few weeks before that episode shows up on his website, but if you want to check out the other content that Phil is putting together, it's at maninthepew.com. Guys, I am having an incredible time here at Podcast Movement 2017. I always love going to these events where people are creating content that is making a powerful and positive difference in people's lives. It's why I got into podcasting in the first place, and it's what drives me to continue to create content moving forward. Guys, if you are thinking about launching your very own podcast, my next session of Podcasting A to Z starts Monday, September 17th. You can head over to podcastinga2z.com to register to have me as your personal coach for four weeks, helping you get your message out into the world. 
And for those of you who are interested in learning how to create your own online business, to pursue that dream of working for yourself, creating a career that you look forward to getting up in the morning for, something where you wake up excited about the things that you will do in your business, knowing that not only is it going to provide for the family, but it is also going to have a positive impact in the world. If you've been thinking about creating your own online business or if you have a business that's making less than $5,000 per month, I definitely encourage you to join me for this next session of the Next Level Workshop called Building an Online Business. The next session of that workshop is coming up on November 3rd and 4th. You can register for that over at podcastanswerman.com slash next level workshop. And you'll want to do that soon. It's limited to 12 people, and I have already have seven people registered for the November session. So get in there while you can. And with that, my friends, I encourage you to take everything you do to the next level. Podcast Answer Man.